0: Rugby World Cup podcast. World this is Tony Harper, editor of theraw.com.au, and this is the Rugby World Cup special. I'm here with Christy Doran, our rugby editor.
1: Good to join you, mate.
0: And we have a special guest again, Sam Worthington. Sam from Stan. Great to have you along, though. We are in our luxury flat in St Etienne, having been on the road today up to Leon and to uh, where the Wallabies are staying. In a- they had a very nice buffet at their hotel, but uh, unfortunately we couldn't partake, boys. Um, I, I have. I want to kick off with a question. What position will Eddie be in should he lose on the weekend?
1: It'll be pretty close to being untenable, I would think. If you if you come into a, a Wallabies campaign with the expectations to, to get them as far and deep as possible and you don't get it out of the pool, then, geez, good luck. There'll be some serious pressure if they don't beat Wales, and we'll come to that in a moment.
2: Yeah, obviously their historic low um not getting out of the the pool so clearly uh eddie was talking about about blood in the water there um he knows that the sharks are are circling and yeah a, a loss probably would be curtains and i think realistically he probably wouldn't have it any other way um by his own high standards
0: yeah it's quite quite an interesting one because he had said previously that um he might leave after his job after the world cup regardless and then There's um, been a bit of backtracking on that. That Harry Jones on the Raw came out with a very strong comment piece this week saying that should he lose to Fiji, he should be sacked. Christy, what do you actually think the situation is there? How how strong is his position? Should they go down?
1: Well, if he goes down, you ask the question, does the Rugby Australia board go down? And those conversations are already taking place. I can tell you that there's conversations right across the super rugby landscape from the various stakeholders. Uh, there's a lot of disgruntlement, anger, frustration around where and how the state of the game is. But if you look at a couple of the board members on it, Phil War obviously is now the CEO, but Dan Herbert, and it was five years ago he spoke to me when I was working at Fox at the time and he goes, look, do we think that Ewan McKenzie's a bad coach? Do we think Robbie Deans is a bad coach? Do we think Michael Checker's is a bad coach? Every time we always try to shoot the, the coach. Is it the coach or is it a wider, more fundamental issue, systemic issue in Australian rugby? And I wonder whether or not, and having spoken to various board members and stakeholders, whether or not it's, there, it's actually dawned on them that it goes beyond the coach. That's the only thing that could save Eddie Jones if the Wallabies crash out, don't progress further. It's a huge moment in the, the history of the game with sponsorship dollars, broadcast dollars, the rest of it on it?
0: So Eddie was saying today that he is 100% confident that they'll beat Wales, and yet he was saying before Bledisloe that he, they would win that and that they would come to the World Cup and they could win that. But then also today he was talking about how he needed, you know, he was asked about Drew Mitchell's comments Um, uh, about what what was going on with uh, Michael Hooper and Quade Cooper. And he said he needed to look to the future. I mean, do you think, Sam, that uh, Australian rugby fans, and there's been a lot made of the people who paid 10000 20000 to come over here, have been sold a pup on this? Like, should they have been perhaps more open and honest about the
2: fact they were planning for the future in the first place? Yeah, I think a lot of rugby fans, it's just this changing of the goalposts that is, is pissing people off, Um and I guess, yeah, changing what, what you're being judged on, what, what the goals are. Um, it is very confusing, I think, because the whole thing with Eddie Jones' his reputation was built on um, coming into to teams and turning them around very quickly and, and getting that, um, that that quick sugar hit. And then that's what I th- think people thought would actually potentially happen with the Wallabies. And then it's the long-term um, burnout factor that people were worried about. But that hasn't happened at all. It's um, It's been awful. There's been no... No immediate hit, um, and then I think that's just what's leaving people a little bit confused now that he's that he's mid tournament um, before this massive, massive game. Still, sort of talking about these, you know, four year on next World Cup. Um, it takes uh, it
0: takes six years to build a team. He told
2: us today. Exactly. So it's just it's all over the shop. It's- Let's
1: be honest. Anyone that thinking any Australian fan thinking that the Wallabies are going to win this World Cup I only has to look. at Let's go 38%. Seriously, that's what they've won over the last three years. It's been 40% over the last seven years. So anyone spending their ten dollars to $20,000 thinking the Wallabies are going to run deep and go deep at this competition would have been um, buoyed by the draw that they had. But at the same time, you'd be completely disillusioned if, if, if you realistically thought the Wallabies were winning this World Cup. That being said, I, I, I've I've been writing for two months that They have to be clear with what their vision is. And they weren't getting further than a semi final with people like Michael Hooper, Quade Cooper, those that have actually been there at the top that have been wearing the Wallabies jersey for more than 10 years with these guys. I think they were bold decisions, they were necessary decisions, I think. And some people will say they're changing the goalposts. Well, No coach is going to come in there immediately and go, no, we can't win the Bledisloe Cup, we can't win the World Cup. This is going to take significant strategic planning where a high-performance manager needs to be appointed as soon as possible so that they can have a top-to-bottom look at what is going on with Australian rugby. And it can't be brushed over. It's got to be six to nine months that they're planning this. And if you talk to current super rugby coaches, a lot of them that when they come in, they don't have actually the time to be able to strategically map anything out because if they fail, they're out of the job before they know it. So there needs to be a huge, huge uh, uh, reevaluation of where Australian rugby is at because it was only three months ago Eddie Jones sat down with us at a pub and said, you know what, boys, we're Tier 2. We're only Tier 2. And the expectation at the moment is we're Tier 1. Well, that needs to be changed and there needs to be reality reset of him.
0: Yeah, but he also, I mean, he jumps around all over the place, doesn't he? Like if he if it, if he stuck to a theme and went with it, you could probably see that. I think the Carter Gordon example is one that everyone is picking up on today, where I think um, you know, he answered that question that you posed to him, I believe during Bledisloe Cup about trusting young, young fly halves. And he said that if you you know if you don't understand that, you don't understand rugby um and yet he's been in for a brief amount of time and now he's out of the team um you know is, is is he you know is he kind of losing the way here is he losing the plot or is he just trying to keep ahead of his late, latest statements and just keep the circus rolling
1: two things i'd say on yeah. that the first being that that carter gordon yes he's been uh dropped from the starting side but if you look at international rugby, more often than not the finishers the ones that come on decide side test matches, particularly when the games are in the balance. He's got an important role to play Carter Gordon. He's not been left out. And when you judge um, people, and I, I judge Dave pretty harshly on this, that when when Quade Cooper, Bernard Foley came back in, more often than not Noel Olicio was sidelined. So the player was actually removed completely from the 23. In this particular circumstance, Carter Gordon's gone and dropped back to the bench. I think you can learn a lot. And I, I almost feel like Eddie Jones has done Carter Gordon a service here by not axing him completely, but actually just putting him on the, the bench, taking him out of the firing line where he won't cop the initial blows, but also it, it, you know, the, the first 10, 20 minutes could decide the outcome of this game against Wales.
0: So we have uh, Ben Donaldson in at number 10. Andrew Kellaway has been restored at number 15. There's changes in the back row. Sam... Do you see this team, or when you look at this team, do you think it's an improved team on what what ran out against Fiji?
2: I honestly don't think it matters a huge amount who starts at 10 out of Gordon and and Donaldson because the reality is they're not proven test candidates at the moment. I think whether the Wallabies can beat Wales is going to depend on other people. I'm thinking it's going to be people like uh, Bt, Karevi, um, that actually have to set the tone um, for, for this team, which sits, you know sounds unusual. It's normally the forwards, but without Tupou and Skelton, I think it's those sort of people that are going to have to provide a shot of inspiration, um, maybe nearly try to put a bit of pressure back on, on Wales because, yeah, look, I, I just don't see either of those guys taking command and, and you know, um, playing amazing games at number 10 um, just yet in their careers. So I think they just need to be serviceable and it's gonna be other people that, that decide oh, this test
0: match. Like James Slipper, I also spoke today, and I, I found it quite um interesting that he put this down to a mentality issue. And I just can't believe you're in a World Cup that you're this far down the path, you've got Eddie Jones as your coach and that you're still struggling with mentality. He said that they came out against Fiji and the word he used was they were spooked. They they weren't prepared for what hit them. I mean is this a failing of preparation you know, from a mental perspective, from a team that has three sports psychologists.
1: Well, they clearly missed the gate, didn't they? That, that, they, you know, Their discipline was poor against Fiji. Uh, they, they, they lost the physical battle. And that was always probably the concern when you take out Tupo and Skelton, who often do those sorts of things that set that tone. Uh, you saw two so of, uh, Just he looks... It looks like the Wallabies were intimidated, I almost felt like, by some of those guys and the threats out wide. We've actually got to remember they defended really well. One try that they scored came off a kick that no one touched. With the exception of that, Fiji didn't look like scoring a try. But it is it is a bizarre thing. But isn't that the difference between successful teams and not those that have the consistency that they're able to, even when they're not quite there, win games?
0: I, I just uh, I, before we move on to this game and how that's going to shape up and how that looks, I want to go to Drew Mitchell's comments this week, um, which are. Extremely scathing. Uh, David Campisi comes out every second day, it seems, and he's bashing bashing Eddie as well. Like, I, I don't imagine when Rugby Australia replaced Dave Rennie and brought in Eddie Jones that they were expecting that this probably was going to work, work out to be a worse PR situation than the one they had. Um, how do you think Eddie is actually coping with the, the external criticism? He seems to suggest that he's not listening to it, but uh, I, I find that tough to believe.
1: I think he's realised that this uh, patch-up job is more than that. It's a complete rebuild, and and I've heard from pretty good authorities that he did not think this task would be so difficult. But many a good coaches have come through the Wallabies and the various super rugby programs. Rob Penny, he was the Warwick Tars coach a year and a half ago, and he, he gets sacked, and then two and a half years ago, rather, he gets sacked, and then he ends up as the Crusaders coach. So doesn't that tell you everything you need to know about Australian rugby, that the best uh, domestic team in the world can supposedly hire the worst coach in Australian rugby history.
2: Yeah, I found it's interesting, I guess, that Eddie Jones is, you know, was willing to be so sort of expansive about the broader issues in the game when you're two days out from this crunch test match. I think most coaches would be tunnel vision just talking about the task at hand with Wales and to me, he was sort of laying the groundwork for, okay, we, we might lose this and this is, you know, getting ahead of the the narrative a little bit. Um, I, I, if I'm a Wallabies player there and he's, you know, some of the topics that I guess he's delving into, it's great for us in the media to, to you know, weigh, weigh down these different uh, paths. But yeah, it's just, uh, if I was a Wallabies player listening to some of that, oh, I would be scratching my head a bit. When Eddie's not, you know, not not saying if he's going to be around in, in, in three weeks' time, all of this stuff. Um, it's, yeah, it's a very muddled picture at the moment.
0: Yeah, he he had some of his old uh, sparring partners from the British press there today. They turned up en masse after a three- or four-hour train ride. Smelling blood. Smelling blood. and he, he likes to take that on. He's, you kind of sense that he is comfortable having those spars, and we've seen a lot of Eddie. Um, I, I don't know. Did he look like more kind of concerned today than he has previously?
1: No, I, I didn't think so, actually. Mm. I thought he was pretty clear in, in how he spoke. And I observed him for the 10, 15 minutes before the press conference started. And he was a bit more jovial with his media manager, with a couple of people that came through. You compare that to a week ago where he looked so downcast and somber. And that was off the, you know, less than 24 hours after his captain, Will Skelton, had gone down. And I almost felt like he's thinking, this is now, it's, he loves these sort of weeks, these sorts of challenges. But he's actually, I know that they had another injury throughout the week in Max Jorgensen. But to me, he was a completely different figure than he was a week ago. The Rugby World Cup on the RAW.
0: The RAW Rugby Podcast is powered by ASICS, the official performance apparel and footwear supplier for the Wallabies. You can find the Wallabies' 2023 Rugby World Cup playing jersey now in-store or online at asics.com dot com dot au. Well, lads, we've spoken about Eddie and his state of mind, which is always intriguing. But how how do we see Wales lining up? I believe there were twelve changes that they've made to their their starting lineup. Um, what are we expecting from them, Sam?
2: Yeah, it's a funny one because as Eddie again touched upon today, um, they're in a somewhat similar position to Australia, having gone through a, a period of turmoil. But we. <laughs> been so busy with so much going on in the wallabies camp like we haven't actually had as much time I guess to delve into the Welsh as we normally would for a game like this but with Warren Gatlin back that they're, they're suddenly you know got a lot of clarity I think in what they're they're doing they've got some um, you know a, a pretty experienced team overall um, they're, they're going to play pragmatic they've got a dangerous back three when they do get some scraps um, and and yeah clearly Dan Bigger um, one of the best goal kickers in the world so the thing with Wales, I, they're just not going to beat themselves is, is how I view it, view it, and the Wallabies are very good at just beating themselves of late. So unless they unless they drastically turn around their discipline, um, yeah, I, I find it hard to beat. That's going to be the key. If they, if they can keep the penalty count relatively even, then they're going to give themselves a chance.
0: And, and Christy, I think we need four tries, right? Like, is there any chance of that?
1: Well, t- you need four tries to get a bonus point, and the Wallabies come into this game, they're on six points along with... PG, Wales ten points. Well, the Wallabies are not only probably need to, they have to win the game. Certainly, whether or not a bonus point, a bonus point helps. It, they're mathematically very much still alive if they don't. If they were to get a bonus point victory, a, a full tribe bonus point victory, uh, then then that would set them up nicely going into the quarterfinals. Just to to add in on, on what Sammy's talking about. Guys like Toby Falatau are finding some form again. He's an outstanding back rower. Only six years ago, he was probably the best back rower, best number eight in the world almost at that time when he's playing for the Lions. But it's been interesting. Eddie's come in for this smash and grab job, and very rare has he ever come in at this late in the World Cup cycle. He was with South Africa in, in 2007, clearly with Jake White. But Warren Gatlin does these sorts of smash and grab jobs all the time because he's been the British and Irish Lions coach. And he's actually had to bring guys together in a 10-week period and go, we've all got to come together at his last moment. There's going to be some changes. This is how we win. And South Africa, did it. I know that they lost the series, but a a phenomenal series in in 17 against the Kiwis where they came from 1-0 behind to to level it. Uh, They won clearly in 2013 as well, down under. So he's so used to these scenarios, and it's probably very different, Dowdy Jones.
0: Well, there'd be much in the kind of coaching face off I guess you know tactically um how they how they set up against each other I mean they seem also to be well, Eddie Jones today said they were quite friendly in fact that when they were coaching against each other in the six nations they'd often get together for a curry um you know who's going to end up with nam this weekend.
1: Oh. <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, I, I think this is a great opportunity for Warren to exact a bit of revenge on Eddie. Um, his his uh, career record um, is pretty strong, pretty imposing there over over Gatland. But I think this will be the ultimate uh, chance for for Warren to get one one over Eddie. Um, but yeah, you do expect Wales you know, just just to come out and play a, a, a pretty. Um, I guess just boring, um, you know, conservative game plan. But maybe we will be surprised. What do you think, Christy? Do the Wales, do whales have more in, in their arsenal? I just don't think they're going to need to to go outside of their structures too much um, to, to beat the side.
1: We saw them actually quite clinical against Fiji a couple of weeks ago, where they were had very little possession territory in in the 30s on both cases. Yet they they scored what was it, four tries and and use the ball and George North running onto it scoring tries, Josh Adams, Lewis, Reece Zammett, Liam Williams, phenomenal fullback. So they've got threats out wide. But I'm more curious about the mindset in this where Wales are in pole position, they only need to grind out a victory, whereas the Wallabies will be taking it to them. And as much as Eddie Jones says we only need a win, and I think that's the case, um, rather than necessarily get – bonus point I feel that psychological difference will be will play into the Wallabies hands because Wales will kick uh, they'll try to play a lot of contestable kicks Dan Bigger will try to take shots but but when you go into a game like that the mindset's so crucial this is where the one million dollars that the Wallabies and Rugby Australia have spent on psychologists is going to come in handy.
0: And um, Eddie Jones, last time, last World Cup, got into a little bit of a war of words, well, let's call it a minor skirmish of words um, with Gatland, and he suggested that he should enjoy his third and fourth playoff. Um, (laughs) He was kind of reminded of that today, and he gave a bit of a wry smile. I mean, you think that uh, Gatland will really enjoy this if he can knock over Jones and consign him to an exit at the pool stage.
1: Two veteran coaches could be their last World Cup campaigns. You you never know. But... Oh, look, how good's the Narn gonna be next time?
2: <laughs> we're not even coaching their, their countries the last time, of course. Yeah. I think you were there, Christy. But it's just amazing how much the landscape has changed. I think 39-34, and that ended up being Dave Rennie and Wayne Pebx, last hurrah, last tests, um, coaching their teams, and then the the old war horses have, have come back for World Cup here. So but they know each know each other inside out, and um it's gonna be a fascinating subplot.
1: It's a great point because Ben Donaldson wore the number 10 jersey for the first time, two weeks after they lost against Italy, a historic defeat there. And Donaldson is replaced after 55 minutes. At that point in time, Wallabies are trailing by 21 points and I'm sitting next to Tom Deason and the two of us are thinking, Rennie is gone, start writing it up. And you know bit by bit, we started looking at each other going, oh, dear, this is a rewrite. And the drama of the last five minutes was incredible. Little did we know that he, you know, a month, two <laughs> months later, that Rennie was going to in fact go despite that last grass, uh, Lockie Lonigan steal on his own try line. But yeah, it's been an incredible ten months, uh, and I, I just feel like there's another twist to turn along the way. Rugby
0: World Cup on the raw. There was a big uh, bit of news in the World Cup last night, our time, when Antoine Dupont appears that he has. Had confirmed fracture to his jaw. Uh, there are various reports as to how long he'll be out. Um, some are saying that he may be back by the semi-final. This happened in a game where Namibia lost 96-0 to the French and there were uh, like questions to the French coach about whether he should have actually been playing a superstar like that. Uh, Christy, what, what are your thoughts on the injury, how it might impact the French team and you know the, the point around whether he should have indeed been playing against uh, that team?
1: A bit to unpick there, but initially, red card or uh, upgraded yellow card, it should have been a straight red card, I thought, from Johan Driesel, the the Nabibian centre. It's a devastating blow if he's to, to miss that quarterfinal. I think he'll be given every opportunity, and you probably run the risk and, and take that in there, um, knowing that he's so. Crucial to everything France do, but if they were to lose him, it means that they've already lost their his half's partner from Toulouse, Rome, and Antimac. It'd be a catastrophic blow for a nation that's out to win their maiden World Cup, yeah. Shades of
2: 2011, um, for me as, as a Kiwi, of course, Dan Carter going down, um, in that, in that tournament, um, sort of the face of the home World Cup. Um, we were, we were just trying to enjoy a glass of red on the couch, weren't we? Um, and then that <laughs> happened, and suddenly laptops were out and and stories were being filed. So yeah, look, I think the coach has done nothing wrong there. You can't just keep these guys in cotton wool. It was very, very unfortunate. And yeah, wild, wild horses, I think will keep uh, DuPont off the pitch here. I think um, as long as it's not too unsafe, um, um, around the head, obviously pretty pretty um, dangerous. But, yeah, I think if, as long as he gets cleared from a medical perspective, he'll be out there as soon as possible.
1: And this is the also playing into this is the ridiculous nature of this drawn-out World Cup is that the Wallabies, you know, if they to somehow beat Wales, they play Portugal and then they have a, a week off, an extra week, thereby before a quarter final. I, I can't see how that's good for a side's momentum where... You know, they they'll miss out on that kind of hardening match experience, but but for France they've got their hardest game by a country mile against the New Zealanders first up, then they play a, a Uruguay inside that they're going to hammer every day of the week and they were terrible and yet managed to win, then they've got to play Namibia and then go on to play uh, what I think it's a week off and then Italy. It's not great preparation for a quarterfinal. You have to give minutes at various points in time even and run that risk. It's an unfortunate reality of of this World Cup especially. I would have taken him off at half time. I would have thought 40 minutes is enough. Fabian Gauti explained that he was going to make three type five forward changes in the in, at half time. Uh, and then a couple more changes around that fifty-five 50, minute mark. I mean, it could have
0: easily happened in the first half as well, right? Or is it a fatigue kind of tackle that that comes as as the game runs on?
2: Uh, I think it is just just bad luck. I mean, these things happen. I guess from a French perspective, they're blessed with um, some of the best depth in the world. I think Baptiste Kouyou. Uh, I think it, think it is. I hope I got that right. Um, he's absolutely class as well. So look, they're more than capable, um, even with um, without Dupont, of winning a quarter final. Um, and, and, yeah, and then hopefully getting him back for the back end if you're a French fan. Right, and
0: just one other piece of news. We're about to jump on the T1 tram out to the Cenedian Stadium to watch Argentina play Samoa. Uh, Argentina, of course, coached by Michael checker uh, Another of David Campese's ideas is that Checker should come back as overall head of Australian rugby. Christy, do you see a future in Australian rugby for for Chek?
1: I do, but I would have thought that that particular position could not be more unsuited to Michael Checker. Um, he's a he's a coach. He's I don't know how he. I think him being director of rugby for NTT uh, Green Rockets that lasted for about a year, didn't it? Because uh, he spent about seventeen days there when he was expected for two hundred and fifty. He's he's not an organizer per se. Uh, this requires someone with organization ability. Uh, a complete kind of understanding from grassroots to, to the senior management to the managerial aspect, that's not his role. He's a coach.
0: Thanks for that. We're going to have to head out there and go and jump on that tram. Um, I want to thank Sam for joining us and I'd like to thank Christy who, you know, we've been down this road before. I would. It would be great if you guys can stick around, check in our site, read all our content. Give us some likes on there, some nice comments. Join us for the um, Harry and Brett podcast coming up this week as well.
1: That'll be unmissable. Instant reaction pod after Wallabies Australia. <laughs> in all seriousness, right. it is the biggest game in Australian rugby, certainly since the 2019 quarterfinal. But given mm. the high stakes uh, sense in Australian sport with Australian rugby, which is on a nice edge at the moment, broadcast deals, private equity, debt, it's huge. There's so much on the line. Prediction? I've been more confident. I was not confident about the Australia-Fiji game. You would have all heard that in the previous pod that we did, <laughs> I'm sure. But I, I have been confident all along around Wales. I think it's a better match-up. And when the mindset, I think Australia win by six points.
0: Semi Neutral?
1: I'd love to be proven wrong, um, you know, for self, selfish reasons and non-selfish
2: reasons. But, yeah, I'm going to have to give myself an uppercut for negativity, I think. Wales just have sort of more clarity about their work at the moment. and will be a little bit too organised, unfortunately.
0: Hey, and just one thing before we go. Sonny Bill has started referring to Australia as we. Are are you doing that yet? I am not. Stay strong, bro. Yeah,
2: no, I've got maybe a quarter Australian at this point. I'm,
0: I'm away. All right. Well, hopefully we can do this again soon. Have a great game. Let's go, Wallabies. And, yeah, hope it works out how we all want it to. The Roar.